the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Let's go the distance by keeping our distance. Nissan, innovation that excites. One year ago, this week, on the 10th of May, Ireland became the second country in the world to declare a climate and biodiversity emergency and passed uh, something in Leinster House to give this effect. So let's look back after it. Uh, a year has gone by, Dr. Cara Gustenberg, in our down-to-earth slot. How has it worked out in terms of alleviating the emergency? Well, uh, the UK was the first country in the world to to declare a climate emergency. They did so about a, a week before us uh, this time last year in May. And uh, I, the, the first challenge was how do you even define what a climate emergency is and how you respond to a climate emergency? So groups like Extinction Rebellion had been putting a lot of energy into to getting governments around the world to, to call for this emergency. And they defined it as net zero emissions by 2030 or carbon neutral by, by 2030. But I liked what the Irish Wildlife Trust said when they were pushing for the government to declare a climate and biodiversity emergency. They said what it would mean is that all government work going forward would be done through the prism of this emergency so that when a budget was being prepared or development plans were going forward, that they would all be geared toward uh, addressing a climate and biodiversity emergency. So the question really is, when we put forward the last budget, when the government made plans over the last year, did they reflect the fact that they had declared a climate and biodiversity emergency? What did happen in the UK? Because it started there, didn't it? Yeah, and it was Jeremy Corbyn put forward this this motion to declare an emergency, and it called on the government to achieve net zero emissions before 2050, which it, which is quite late relative to what Extinction Rebellion and other groups were calling for, but still more ambitious than the government's target at the time was to reduce uh, carbon emissions by 80 percent by 2050. So this motion was passed, but but it actually it wasn't voted on. It, it it's not legally binding or anything, but it was a motion that was put forward. Uh, and and yeah, again, a gesture. Uh, it followed a lot of other governments, the Welsh government, the Scottish government, and other UK towns and cities, uh, including Manchester and London, had all declared this emergency. But have they done anything in the last year? Uh, not really. Uh, they've been busy with other things, obviously. So again, kind of a token gesture. And then a week later, uh, we followed suit with our own climate and biodiversity emergency. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to have to go a bit of a patronising rant here because, you see, I see all you you green folk and you're so well-intentioned and your activism and all that kind of thing and you fall for all of these what I call (laughs) political stunts insofar as, I give you another example completely unrelated to the environment. You take the traveller movement. Uh, There was a huge sort of sense of occasion and history when they were formally recognised as an ethnic group. And you know what? It hasn't improved the lot of travellers in terms of education, accommodation or any of those issues, the prison population and so on. And the fact of the matter is it is actually classic political tokenism whereby you're seen to do something, but you're actually, it's just a PR stunt. And, yeah. and, and, and the reaction to declaring emergency is the likes of you welcome it and then we celebrate it a year or, or, or look at it a year later. But actually, it's very, very cynical. 
Yeah, I, in some ways I agree with you. And and my own county, uh, Wicklow County, was the first county in Ireland to declare a climate emergency. And I stood back. I didn't campaign for that because I felt like it was time wasted. And sure enough, it's it's been about a year now since Wicklow County Council declared a climate emergency. And the special area of conservation behind my house uh, this last month was sprayed with Roundup and hedgerows were cleared as if no biodiversity emergency was ever declared. Uh, so I think you're right. It's an opportunity for politicians to stand up and say, yay, aren't we great? But do they they actually do anything? I would say, though, that we have seen some changes, particularly now with the, the government negotiations going on. We are seeing biodiversity uh, coming to the forefront much more. And, and this declaring an emergency is a useful tool for campaigners to keep putting it up to politicians. You know, you've declared this emergency. What are you doing about it? So it is it is a token gesture, but it can also be used as a tool for campaigning at the same time. But it, like, there are many other examples. Like when politicians want to do nothing, they outsource it to the Citizens' Assembly. When politicians want to do anything, they put things into 2050, 2030 context. I, I've seen all this before. It's kicking to touch. I mean, was there any movement really when it came to the election in terms of the party's manifestos? Yeah, I, I would disagree with you on the Citizens Assembly thing. I mean, we, we did see that the uh, the climate issue was brought to Citizens Assembly. I, I watched that whole process take place. And as a result of the Citizens Assembly, a joint Oireachtas Committee on Climate Action was formed, which created this all-party uh, report on how Ireland could could lead in, lead in climate. And, and I think we have seen more ambition in climate as a result of that entire process. And, and what the biodiversity campaigners are asking for is a similar process with the biodiversity emergency uh, to create a citizens' assembly. We've seen in the framework document put forward by Fina Gael and Fina Fall recently that they've committed to, to this biodiversity uh, citizens' assembly. We also saw, very interestingly, um, when, the, when Fina Gael and Fina Fall replied to the Green Party with their 17 points to decide whether or not to enter negotiations, the Green Party asked where uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil would stand on, on issues around biodiversity. And, and they replied by saying, in addition to all the things you want to do, Green Party, we also want to create more marine protected areas. Uh, we saw in the manifestos, Fianna Fáil and Social Democrats in particular, uh, outlining a lot of different ideas for biodiversity. So it's, it's starting to happen in words, but not yet in action uh, within Ireland. But we are starting to see some interesting actions developing around the EU on these issues. Now, I do understand the greenhouse gas emissions, and it's clearly uh, measurable over time and the 7.8%. So, But what's this biodiversity emergency? I mean, like, let's be clear about this. In terms of the extinction of some of the series uh, uh, species, there was dinosaurs. There was the dodo. And you know what? Darwin, evolution, it all changed. I mean, surely changes in species is just part of the way of things and ever was thus. Yeah, it is part of the way of things. Unfortunately, the rate of change is just too fast now for a lot of species to catch up. And there are species that we as humans are dependent on for things like food production. So here in Ireland, uh, we we now have a, a third of our 99 wild beast species threatened with extinction. They're very important for pollinating our food crops. Um, our butterfly populations have declined by 6% in the last 12 
12 years, also important pollinators. We found that our hedgerows, only a third of them are in good condition for birds and wildlife, and two-thirds of our 200 occurring bird species are, are now uh, in, in danger on the on the red list for, for conservation, and our curlew has declined by 96% since the 70s. So we are seeing this kind of extinction uh, level event happening in Ireland in, in line with the rest of the world, if not worse. Um, and, and it's happening at a rate that we can't adjust to and, and that our ecosystem can't adjust to. So it has profound implications on how we as humans depend on our environment. So what does the Irish Wildlife Trust want done in practical terms? Yeah, well, the Irish Wildlife Trust were calling for the biodiversity emergency to be to be um, declared by the government. But as part of that, they wanted actions around uh, a new nature conservation, uh, new laws, ab- the abandonment of agricultural in- intensification and bottom trawling, a new marine protected area, uh, new types of forestry that looked at continuous cover and, and re-wetting of boglands. So they had a whole list of things that are happening. And what's interesting now is in the EU, the, the new biodiversity strategy to 2030 has just been leaked. And Irish Wildlife Trust got a got a quick view of that. And it looks pretty ambitious. It's actually calling for a lot of the things that Irish Wildlife Trust uh, have been asking for. So we may not get it from Ireland, but we could get it via the EU. But should we already have that? Sure, a roundabout or a, a, a bypass is proposed in the some wild slug that stops the whole project. I mean, we actually have very little of our land in Ireland protected. Um, the EU now is is, is saying that they want 30% of EU land and sea territory uh, protected by 2030. We've got 12% of our land and 2.5% of our seas protected. We have uh, a massive issue with overfishing and marine protected areas in particular are our are, are super successful way of improving fishing stocks. So it, it's a no-brainer that Ireland should be creating a, a big... So what, what are your big concerns? Is it bees, butterflies, birds? What is it this time? Unfortunately, it's all of the above, Ivan. Um, all of our species are, are suffering as a result of not only climate change, but also habitat destruction and habitat loss. Um, so we need to look at it holistically. And, and one of the things on the table right now in negotiations is this idea of a, a land use plan, which the Green Party had put forward and which Fina Gael and Fina Fall have said they are certainly open to considering. So, um, you know, this, this land use plan that looks at the kind of ecosystem services and species protection that land can provide, not just in terms of can we develop this and make money selling this apartment block, but can we use this land to to protect and restore nature? That's all on the table right now. So I think while we haven't really acted on a biodiversity and climate emergency uh, to date in the year that we called it, right now is a time to watch to see where does biodiversity figure in in new negotiations for government? uh, Where does climate figure? Because at the moment, biodiversity doesn't really sit anywhere. It's not the EPA's mandate. It's kind of the, the culture and heritage mandate, though, though a lot of the things they've done have actually been damaging to biodiversity. It seems so, like you're warming up for another quango. <laughs> I, I think if we just resourced, and a lot of people have called for this, if we re- resourced our national parks and wildlife to the same extent that we resource things like greyhound racing or horse racing, we'd be doing really well. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> I know your favorite topic. <laughs> well, okay. Well, is there any progress being made in the last year under the heading of climate or biodiversity after the emergency was declared? Anything you can say actually does take the box and is an improvement. 
Um, I, I would say a, a, an improvement to see it being discussed at government level and for it being in terms of uh, negotiation. But unfortunately, um, groups like Irish Wildlife Trust and Birdwatch Ireland are saying there have been no substantial changes. They were hugely disappointed in budget 2019, where there was no additional funding to national parks and wildlife. And unfortunately, we've now heard that in December of 2019, uh, Ireland had the lar single largest poisoning of birds of prey uh, since legislation on that began in, in 2010. So 23 buzzards in Cork were illegally poisoned with carbofuran, a very, very toxic substance. So we're still even seeing intentional killing uh, of wildlife, not even unintentional going on. And, and these kind of crimes aren't really being investigated properly. Finally then, did the Dáil set up any structure when they passed the emergency whereby the Dáil would appraise its own performance? I mean, this is part of the climate action plan that, that was put forward by the last government would have new climate legislation, which would be legally binding uh, five yearly carbon budgets for each sector. And uh, they have, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil have said that if the Green Party are willing to enter government with them, they will pass that legislation within the first hundred days of government. I think if the Green Party did that alone, it would be transformative because no minister going forward could ever uh, shirk their responsibilities for climate action. So um, that's really the thing that I'm watching now is what happens with this proposal for new right. climate legislation. Well, I, I, think, I think when you see the public health emergency laws, the billions, 10 billions committed to a real emergency in relation to COVID, it just highlights what uh, tokenism was involved in this. So keeping an ever watchful eye on behalf of us all, Dr. Cara Augustenberg, climate scientist, thank you for today's Down to Earth doing a, a SWOT analysis on just how poorly the politicians have performed in terms of meeting the climate emergency. As always, thank you and look forward to talking to you again next week. The Hard Shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Together, let's play our part by staying apart. Nissan, innovation that excites.